A while back, the song September came over the radio by Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I thought to myself, that would make a great sermon series, Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water, the elemental spirits. For the ancient Greeks, Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water were the basic building blocks of the universe and so important to them philosophically and practically that the Greeks personified them and deified them. For the Hebrews and also in the Christian Bible, earth, wind, fire, and water are prominent symbols for the one true God. This morning's image might be the most surprising one. This from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Remember when the Lord made a covenant with you and you stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain was blazing up to the very heavens, shrouded in dark clouds. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. So be careful not to forget the covenant that God has made with you. For the Lord your God is a devouring fire, a jealous God. And then also from the prophet Malachi, the words which Ryan will sing for us in just a moment from Messiah. For God is a refining fire who can abide the day of God's coming. This is a prayer of Christina Rossetti. O God, the Holy Ghost, as the wind is thy symbol, so forward our goings. As the dove, so launch us heavenwards. As water, so purify our spirits. As a cloud, so abate our temptations. As dew, so revive our languor. As fire, so purge our dross. Amen. When you stop to think about it, it's actually quite remarkable how often in the Hebrew and Christian Bibles, God appears in the form of fire. When God gives God's people the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, God does not appear to the people as a lawyer or a politician or as a philosopher, which is what you might expect from somebody giving the law, but in the form of a scorching conflagration that consumes Mount Sinai. There are several active volcanoes in the Middle East, and so it has to be the experience of human awe and the presence of an erupting volcano that inspired this image from the Deuteronomy, right? This happens over and over again. God appears to Moses in the burning bush. You heard Susan's wonderful prelude, the burning bush. Later, God will appear to the Hebrews wandering in the wilderness as a flame of fire by night. And then to Elijah as a conflagration which consumes the apostate priests of the false god Baal. Even Jesus, John the Baptist says that Jesus of Nazareth will baptize with water and with fire. The chaff he will burn away with unquenchable flames, says John. And you can see why fire is such an apt image for the deity, right? Fire is beautiful, but dangerous. Don't touch it. Don't get too close. Fire is life-giving and death-dealing. So when you Google something like the greatest inventions and discoveries of all time, the usual suspects turn up over and over again. The wheel, the printing press, gravity, Relativity, electricity, penicillin, oral contraceptives, the internet. But at the top of many of these lists is the discovery and the control of fire. 
There may be nothing more important to the thriving of Homo sapiens and its predecessors than the control and discovery of fire. Of Earth's seven continents, six are inhabited, but only because of fire. Without it, we could not live in North America, Northern Europe, or in Russia. Some anthropologists credit fire with our improbably massive brains. Our brains are disproportionately huge, and our digestive tracts unusually small, uh, proportional to our size. Because eons ago, Homo erecti, or Neanderthals, learned to pre-digest food over open flame. When you cook food over flame, you begin to open up the calories before you even open up your mouth. It unlocks extra calories in meat and in plants. Without fire, with plants, we could only eat the seeds and the fruits and the flowers. And with fire, we can eat stems and leaves and roots. It allows us to divert energy from our intestines to our brains. The brain is only worth about 2% of our body weight, but our brains consume 20% of our calories. This is truer of some people than of others, but I won't mention any names. <laughs> One article was entitled, Fire Makes Us Human. Yes, it's so important to who we are as human beings. So it is life-giving, but it's also death-dealing. Think of all the prominent fires throughout history. Troy, Dresden, Vesuvius, Tokyo, Napalm, Danny's Dragons, King's Landing. One woman from Darwin, Australia, says, We survived New Year's Eve in Malakuta by sitting in a small boat off the shore. There were four of us and a Dalmatian puppy. The apocalyptic roars the fire made will stay with me forever. Elizabeth Colbert, who wrote The Sixth Extinction, said in The New Yorker that the fires in Australia last month produced columns of smoke nine miles high. These fires produced their own weather system. It generated lightning, which then struck the earth and started more fires. It was apocalyptic. By the way, this is neither here nor there, but did you know that the hottest temperature on earth is within lightning? 53,000 degrees Fahrenheit, five times the surface of the sun, five times the temperature at ground zero in Hiroshima, 20 times hotter than any human-made flames, 53,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And so it's an apt image for the deity because fire is beautiful but dangerous. Don't touch it. Life-giving and death-defying. So I have two images for you to play with this morning as you think about God as fire life-giving and death-dealing. It might be that what you need is a light to illumine your path, yes? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, says the psalmist. And as I was thinking about this this week, I remembered that great film by Peter Jackson, The Lord of the Rings. Remember when Gandalf has his minions light those spectacular blazing beacons across the jagged peaks of Gondor, to signal his friends that he needs help and to light the way for his people. I don't know how he got that shot along the alpine landscape of New Zealand. Must have been CGI, right? But it's such a beautiful image of the way fire guides us and protects us. 
and that inspired me to think about how I need to seek God's light when I have lost my way in the darkness. Right, because do you find, as I do, that there are times in our lives when we are so lost in the darkness that we've nothing left but God's holy light and sacred word to guide us along the right path? We grope in the darkness for God's direction because we get absolutely no help from our earthly leaders. They stumble around in a morass of opacity and gloom without scruple. True of the most powerful people in the world. Some would keep the earth dark and its people ignorant. You've been reading the story of Li Wenlang, right? The Chinese doctor who tried to warn his country about the coronavirus. He tried to help his people. He died of the virus last week. The police just shut him down and shut him up. They had two questions for him. Can you stop your illegal, your illegal behavior? And do you understand that you will be punished if you do not stop this illegal behavior? And then they made him write a written confession and authenticate it with his red thumbprint. Illegal behavior to tell the world that there's a dangerous virus among us. This leadership is just tyrannical and unscrupulous. And so I hope there's somebody in your life that carries within that the heat and light of God because we're getting no help from the top. It's up to us, you and me, we who follow the light of the world, need to reach higher and brighter up to that light of Christ. Fire is beautiful and dangerous, life-giving and death-dealing, but maybe what you need is not a light for your path, but the refiner's fire that Handel wrote about, Malachi wrote about, Ryan sang, a refiner's fire. Maybe you need a do-over. Maybe what you need is God, the refining fire that burns away the dross, blazes away everything that is ignoble and inferior and mean about us, doesn't belong there, and then raises us to newness of life. Someone here might have lost his way in a fog of alcohol or opioids or promiscuity or infidelity or unchecked rage or craven bigotry. And it needs to be burned away with purifying fire so that something worthier can be born in it. That's what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about, right? Narcotics Anonymous, all these 12-step groups, it's about burning away. It's fire. Step six, we are ready to have God remove all defects within our character. Step seven, we ask God to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, we make a list of all the people we've hurt and agree to make amends. A burning away of what's mean and cheap in us. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about how much I love the Pixar film Up, about Carl, an old man who is just disconsolate and broken because he's lost his beloved wife of many years and he retreats into himself and wants to be alone but then Russell the Boy Scout and Doug the Golden Retriever press their way aggressively into his little lonely world and Doug the Golden Retriever says to Carl, I just met you and I love you. 
I don't know who you are. I don't care what you've done or will do. I will just love you. Unconditional love. And I said that God is like that, and I will always believe that, but that's not the end of the story. There's more to God, this image of God as fire. It's a cliche because it's true. God loves us just the way we are and too much to stay that way. God will burn away what is inferior in, in us. We find by losing. We hold fast by letting go. We become something new by ceasing to be something old. There's a tree in the American and Canadian West called the lodgepole pine, Pinus contorta in Latin, literally twisted pine, which depends on forest fires for its survival. Its pine cones are clenched so tight and glued shut with so much sap that only the intense heat of a forest fire allows the lodgepole pine to survive to the next generation. We find by losing, we become something new by ceasing to be something old. Could there be anything sadder than the animal holocaust that happened last month in Australia? Maybe a billion creatures are gone. It's almost inconceivable. A billion creatures, including on Kangaroo Island, which they used to call Noah's Ark because of its rich, immaculate biodiversity. There were never any rabbits on Kangaroo Island to eat all the vegetation, and there were never any foxes to eat all the small animals. It was pristine, and now half of it is just gone. But it will be back, right? Kangaroo Island will come back. Not like it used to be. All the flora and fauna will be different. And it might take a hundred years. But it will be back. That is the way of life. That is the circle of life. We die and then rise to newness of life. In the immortal words of Billy Joel, we didn't light the fire. It's been always burning since the world was turning. That might be the cleverest song in all of popular literature. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. We didn't light the fire. It's been always burning since the world was turning. Thanks be to God.